Come on, Annie. Let's go to the movies. This is the Cine Realist episode 607. My name is Kyle. My name is James. And my name is Zach. And we're here to talk movies, movie lists, and movie obsession for the next hour or so. We're also here to wish James a happy birthday. Oh, happy yeah. birthday. But yeah. Peace. <laughs> Wait, oh, did you figure out how to do how to make it happen? <laughs> the balloons. It out. Oh. How, let's see if I can get it to do it again. There we go. <laughs> do you just have to wave two fingers? Yeah, a peace sign. <laughs> Will trigger it. Oh, I don't. I can't. James, you do you do a peace sign with one finger straight up, and then the other finger like to the side. I could do it like this. No, like like, like most people make a V. Yeah, you don't it's make a, a v. v. You do, but that's not what you were doing at all. You were doing one finger straight up, and then the other one to the side. It okay. was interesting. James, put your thing, hand- I was just trying to get it against the background where it could see what it was. Oh, I see. I can't get it to. It's not doing it for me. Guys, my zoom's right. broken. Here's what do it. What about this? <laughs> I, I just I love that James probably figured out this by just making different expressions. Right. This is what he does when he's not on the podcast. We're waiting yeah. for us. He just or makes expressions on Zoom. Two P signs. <laughs> that, I want that to be our YouTube uh you know, whatever. Thumbnail. Thumbnail, thank you. Yeah. Sure. That was fantastic. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, thank you. Oh, oh! Here's another one. Let's see if I can do this. Yes. Oh, like a laser light show. <laughs> Don't ask me why that's the devil horns. Because <laughs> it's it like like rock or metal or something like that. I mean, I figured out what this was, by the way. I know how to turn it off, but now I kind of like it. I think I'm going to leave it. Is it AI my cl- based? My clients love it. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, <laughs> they all love it so far it's a big hit um no this is like if you whatever the latest version of mac os x is automatically updated uh this feature and turned it on which is lovely i'm glad i'm not a lawyer or something where people would care (laughs) if confetti or balloons suddenly came across my screen but um yeah it's pretty easy to turn off and not gonna great Welcome to the podcast. I'm sure the audio listeners had fun with that. Um, this is episode 607. We're going to talk Priscilla, the latest Sofia Coppola film about Elvis Presley's young wife, I would say. Uh, and also, uh, we're going to play some games, which we haven't done in quite a while. Looking forward to it. How about you guys? Are you looking forward to it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just looking for a little bit of support here. <laughs> no, I, th- I think, you know, last week we were all feeling a little, a little tired. We were all maybe a little subdued. I think this week we're ready to bring the energy. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's exactly what I was talking about, James. <laughs> James goes, definitely, and Zach is silent. <laughs> we're bringing the energy. This is what the energy looks like. <laughs> Uh, before we do that, though, I've been informed that Kyle has a check-in. I do. I, I brought an article to share with the class today. Okay. And I would like your reaction to this article. Okay. We're okay. going to live react. This is a real YouTube video going on right here. Yeah, you're right. For sure. The title should be like, 
we read an article and look what happened. Sure. <laughs> or something like that. Uh, no, so this is an article from The Guardian. It's titled, A Dated and Alarmist Trope, colon, Critics on the Modern Movie Clichés That Need to Go. So this is a bunch of movie critics who weighed in on movie cliches, movie tropes that they think are overused. And I'm curious to know what you guys think of these tropes. Okay. Sure. Are we movie critics, Zach? Yes. I thought we were more like movie discussion people. Well, you, do you critique movies? Um, maybe. Officially? It, it, we're not, we're not professional movie critics, if that's what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, you you're a movie critic. You 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 critique movies. Do, if do people give- when people ask me what we do on the podcast, I go, oh, we just talk about movies. I don't say we criticize movies. Well, t- well, totally. It's no, just but- someone that like discusses and describes and you know engages with movies or, or tend to be called movie critics. We also give okay. them ratings. Right, which is I, I that can't think of critics. Yeah, I would say yeah. So I mean, you feel like you're using critic as as a pejorative word, as in like to criticize. And I that's think where critic, it comes from. Well, yes, I know where that's where it comes from, but I think in this case, the word critic more means people who, as Zach said, discuss and rate and recommend or don't recommend movies, and that's kind of what we do on this podcast. Okay, fair enough. Feels so I mean, negative. I, I don't like criticizing <laughs> things. Well, you don't have yeah. to criticize. Yeah, you don't have to criticize it. <laughs> yeah, you could just like everything. I I want to just contend that critic is short for or de- derivative from critique rather than criticize. Criticize. Yes. Oh, okay. I feel I, much better about it then. I'm going to agree with Zach on that one. But okay, criticize well, is also derivative of critique, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I don't feel so good about it anymore. <laughs> uh, James having a lot of feels today, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before we start, can I say what one of my tropes is that I think needs to die? Please. When they have like a, a mess... And here's the thing, is we're getting right to the point of history where this trope actually probably could survive. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, when movies have like a a poor quality video and they're like, oh, can we enhance that? Mm-hmm. And then they like mash the keyboard for a little bit and then it becomes like a perfect HD image. I'm really annoyed by that. Because technology Um, doesn't work that way. Exactly. What's funny now is that probably now is the first time in history that (laughs) that actually can happen. And moving forward, that'll be trivial. Um, But up until now, it's been annoying. Yeah. I'm more annoyed by like new movies and TV set in modern day when somebody takes cell phone video. It looks like crap. And it's like, dude, the cell phones shoot like the same video that you can get with like professional cameras. Practically, it never looks like crap these days. I have to be really bad cell phone in order for it to look like crap. I I know a guy that uses an iPhone four. Yeah, but it it's, still but not would not look like how phone. they represent. Yeah, yeah. still oh, really? would not look like how they represent cell phone footage to okay. look like on TV. To to piggyback off of that. Um, I don't like it when someone's watching cell phone video mm-hmm. that, that they found and it's like perfectly edited and narrated where it's, it's, you know, it's made more for us, the viewer, but like they're watching the video, there's edits, there's cuts of the video, whoever shot it, it has like this narration going on. Like it's very produced. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, this is not how people make cell phone videos. They just let it run the whole time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. All right. Hit us with these 
this article. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm going to try, the, the, there are like paragraphs for each of these. I'm going to try and like read the, the, the trope and then summarize it for you really quick what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So the first one is the vanishing smoking habit. And this is the trope of using vices to show a growth in a person. As in mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie, they're smoking or drinking a lot. And then by the end, they've cleaned up their act. And that shows personal growth. Well, what is personal I don't, growth? I don't see this one. Do you have you seen one where they're like, oh, they cleaned up, so now they stopped smoking? I, I don't. I've never seen that. Have it's you? not. It's not something that jumps out at me <laughs> when, when I read this one. I didn't say like, oh yeah, I see that all the time. Like at the beginning of the movie, they're smoking a ton, and by the end, they've quit. Right. A, yeah. An even bigger thing that that needs to go mm-hmm. besides like quitting smoking as a symbolism for like getting your act together is shaving a beard. Ah, that that's does yes. not equate somebody <laughs> getting their act together. That's beardism, and I won't stand for it. Beardism, dude. I don't know if a, a character you're like, being beardist. If a character is like uh, you know a, a hermit, and so they grew their hair wild as a as a means of being just unkempt, and you also get the sense they haven't showered, then shaving the beard is just you know they're going back to the way that they were before the hermitage. No, but but I, I would think that doesn't bother you, James. Correct? It's not just like it's not you don't get bothered in Castaway when Tom Hanks has a long beard because he's been on an island for four years. No, but he's not getting his act together. Right? He was literally on an island with where he couldn't shave. Yes. If he would yeah. have preferred to have shaved, and now he can, then fine, shave. But he's not getting his act together. Yeah, you, you don't like the equation of a beard means you're at the low point in your life. Right. Yes. That's okay. bullcrap. <laughs> Well, I, you I have very that. strong opinions on beards, obviously. So everybody should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the next one. Um, they call this one selfie shorthand, and this is having characters take selfies as a way to show that they are vacuous, vacuous young people. Vacuous, to, vacuous. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Chwaitel Elijah Four. Is that a I don't know if that's a movie trope. I've seen a ton. I don't think I, I've seen that one either. You know, so I watched the Bling Ring this uh-huh. pat, this weekend. When we can that? discuss that another time. Um, but that had a lot of, you know, disaffected teenagers taking selfies in clubs, and they're definitely vacuous. I like the word vapid better than vacuous. Sure. Yeah. I think it's definitely like a joke that somebody who takes a lot of selfies is self-involved and like mm-hmm. is not very aware of themselves or how maybe they're perceived. Um, but I can't remember uh, too often enough that I was annoyed by it, that that's been presented in a movie as like the proof that somebody is that way because they're taking selfies. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's definitely, I agree with you, James. It is used as shorthand. Let's be honest though. If you know somebody who constantly does that, do you think that about them? I wouldn't think they're vacuous. I would think that they're trying to be an influencer. Sure. Well, what do you think of influencers? Do you think, I don't think they're vacuous? No, no. Do you? I, mm. I think influencers are definitely putting on a face where what they're presenting is maybe not what's real. Sure. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I that's not like that. The, that may not apply to every influencer. Like if, if you're an influencer on like, here's money management tips. Like I know the influencer can cover 
a wide array of things. But I think your sure. stereotypical influencer of like, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, sharing whatever aspect of my life. Even if you're a money manager tip influencer, you're still going to present a very specific presentation of yourself that may or may not be the truth, even if mm-hmm. it's not in the form of a selfie. I would right. think. Yeah, right. Which is fine. I mean, the star Hollywood stars have done that since day one. You know what yeah. I mean? Left out the bad parts and left it. But that's not parts. vacuous. Uh, I don't know. Isn't just vacuous just not very smart? Sure. Yeah. Same as vacuous. I would say if your fame as an influencer is taking selfies, not that you're not necessarily smart, but you're certainly not putting your intelligence as the thing first (laughs) that you want people to notice about you. Right. Not because of one random selfie, but because that's what you do is just take selfies all day. I don't, I, I, again, I, if I saw someone taking selfies a lot, I would assume they're an influencer. I wouldn't necessarily assume what type of influencer they are. I, I wouldn't really know that. I just, someone that's yeah. Taking, a lot of selfies I would just think is online somewhere doing something or like a teenager. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if it's a huge movie trope or one that I've really noticed a lot. Me neither. Well, Catherine Bray noticed it. So, okay. Okay. I don't um, know who that is, but yeah, that's the critic that wrote that little, that little ah, okay. blurb. How about pavement catharsis? Uh, the idea of, you know, getting your your emotional catharsis out through running or on the streets. They point specifically to a scene in Francis Ha, which I haven't seen, where Greta Gerwig dances through Manhattan, and also the worst person in the world, where um, the main character like takes a run through Oslo when everything's frozen in time. I like that trope. I also think about the movie Shame when um, uh, Fassbender like just goes for like a really intense run. I mean, in Creed 2, he's running through the streets while everybody's riding motorbikes around him and stuff like that. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, they're running around Chicago, going to the art museums, and they're having a good old time. But that's, I mean, that's not a catharsis (laughs) moment. It's not like Ferris Bueller's going through something and has to run through Chicago. I think they're talking more of like the run is how you get this awakening. I like that trope. You like that trope? I want more of it. You want more people running through the streets. For their catharsis, yes. Okay. Right. I like it too. It doesn't bother me. Sure. I haven't seen Francis Ha, so that's like the one, that's the, what they call out. But I've so seen far, that, but I don't remember it from the movie. So far, I assume that this uh, article writer is like a smoker that can't run, you know, because they're out of breath. <laughs> and hates selfie takers. Yeah, yeah. No, no, loves selfie. Like, takes a lot of selfies. Well, so I'll tell you, each one of these, well, not each one of these is written by a different critic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not all one person with these, you know, they they maybe the the article writer pulled their friends and said, "Hey, right on in." I can't wait so, for Roger Ebert's part. Who? Roger Ebert? Well, I know I know, I, I know who Roger Ebert is. How does he play into this? He's a critic. Maybe he contributed to the article. He's very dead. Oh, this is a new article. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. This next one's from Gene Siskel, and he says, no. <laughs> "I right, hate uh, it when people bring blankets to the thing." Yeah. 
<laughs> That's actually my online pen name as a movie <laughs> critic is Gene Siskel. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Yeah. Um, this one is titled Droning On, and it's the use of overhead drone shots. And yeah. sp- specifically in very mundane ways. Yeah, that could die. Okay. No, I, disagree. Uh, drone shots have revolutionized filmmaking, and I think they're a net benefit. Well, yeah, yeah, but mundane drone shots. They're not saying What's the use of drones. You? They're saying like, you know, uh, a drone following a car through the woods or. Yeah. Yeah. Movies that could couldn't afford that in the past now can. And I think generally that's a positive. I, yeah. And I don't think this is a new thing because we've had helicopters before drones. They're expensive, and, though. Drones <laughs> are like nothing compared no, to renting a helicopter. No, but what, like what I'm saying is. It's not like because of the invention of drones, now movies can do tracking shots over a car through a city. Like that's been that's been in filmmaking for a long time. West Side Story opens with a bunch of like overhead shots of Manhattan. You know, The Shining is a is a helicopter shot of a car driving through the mountains. Right, but the reason why you're seeing it all the time now is because drones exist, and you can get that shot cheaper. Back in the day, the only people that could afford those shots are people with big budgets. And that's not true anymore, which is why you see it a lot more. I'm fine with it. I like it. This I want is, a whole uh, movie filmed in drone shots. They have those. This is one of them that I agree with. Uh, no more mundane drone shots. The more mundane, the better. That's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like when it's a very obvious drone shot pull away where like the camera starts really close to the character's face or like a group of characters and then it spends the next 30 seconds pulling back if they're on a cliff or something because because then i know it was just okay someone got their drone out and just backed it up and it, it for me it takes me out of the movie even though i i know what a helicopter shot looks like for whatever reason a drone shot just looks way faker than a helicopter shot in that sense i've seen shots recently where I can't tell whether they used a crane or a drone. What, and I was what impressed. You, what do you think about the, we didn't really talk about this, the last shot of killers of a flower moon where it's the, it's the, the yeah, Native American ceremony. That and was it's probably a drone. Probably. Yeah. Most likely a drone for that. It was like, it was like too still to not be a drone and too tall to be a crane. Well, Maybe. I, I mean, I, if it was a drone, I'm sure they have stabilizing technology where they can, make it seem still you're saying they shot that with a helicopter and then no no i'm saying that they use a drone and they can stabilize you don't even have to stabilize drones themselves get a shot that's oh pretty stabilized you said too stable for a drone oh sorry i meant like too stable for a helicopter i gotcha i gotcha okay my bad that's all right i'm i misspoke okay um how about the nerd supremacy, and this is putting nerds as the, the the main characters, and they're talking like Social Network and Tony Stark and Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Tony Stark's a nerd? I don't think so. He's like the richest guy in the Marvel Universe, and like women love him and people love him. That's not a nerd. He's a technology nerd. So? you know what you should take this up with uh not with me you should rebecca lou email her at the guardian who's watching the social network and is like man uh, that's a cool guy (laughs) 
glad I'm glad they put him up on a pedestal in this movie, The Social Network, where they portray him as a huge a hole for two hours. Yeah, you know I mean. What I mean? She- <laughs> She does say, like, she refers to Mar- to Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg as the cool, smart guy. I mean, that I got a but, totally different impression watching that I, yeah, movie than she I kinda, did. I, I agree with you on that. I, I think the social network <laughs> is a bad example of this. Um, what I exactly think, is the trope? The trope is, let's see, in the early 2000s, the nerd was the pitiable, the pitiable, fi- pitiable figure, excuse me. But in by the 2010s, um, I'm just trying to paraphrase. This critic the watched the, the Social Network and felt pity for Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, no, no, no. apparently, <laughs> no. They're, they're saying that they were pitiable before. But the now network. they're in the lead. Just in the lead. Yes, yeah, like like they're the lead of the, the lead movie. Of movies. Yeah, I don't think this is a, a very well, uh, uh, very well explained one in this article. Okay, yeah, I don't like this yeah. one. Okay, we can we can all say that we disagree with this one. I need more better. I don't examples. understand it. I don't know if I agree with it or not. Okay. How about uh, characters using dating apps to only find the worst people? Is that a thing in movies? Yeah, that's another one that I don't recognize, but I, that would annoy me. Yeah. Right. Like the idea of, you know, someone's going through a breakup and they go to the dating app and it's all freaks. And then they finally find someone. Never seen a movie where that happened. I don't know if that is prevalent or like an epidemic. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like somebody doesn't like dating apps or doesn't like, I don't know. They don't even give like a movie example. Right. So maybe this person just doesn't like dating apps. Maybe this person got their wish. Yeah. The trope died. Yeah. Okay. Here's a good one. The surprise car crash. You know, the character's driving oh. down the side of the, like, the road and all of a sudden they get T-boned out of nowhere. Yeah, having a mundane conversation yep. and then the bus hits them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's been done enough and well enough. I'm okay if it is done now. Yes. Yes. We. Uh, I am not okay with it because uh, Whiplash, it's amazing in Whiplash and that wasn't that long ago. And uh, Maybe there's another movie that would also be great that needs to have that scene in it, and I, I'm okay with it. I think we could do with more. Uh, on the off chance, we might get a movie as good as Whiplash. Whiplash was nine years ago. Yeah. Okay, I'm just saying, ago. like, that's longer than you, uh, you... It probably is longer than you think it was ago. I don't think so. The The way I think of tropes, like, if they need to die or not, is yeah. it... If every movie had this, would it start to like ruin movies and get annoying or would it be fine? It would bother me at all. Mm -hmm. So like the trope of the, you know, the hero winning in the end, you know, or like conquering his fear. I'm fine with that. If every movie had the hero conquering his fear, I'm okay with that. Um, but if every movie had a surprise car accident, <laughs> like that would get so old. It would be so annoying. I think that'd be funny though, like to figure out you're making a movie. Okay, now where's the surprise car accident? How do I fit it? In? Like, this is about Gandhi. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he needs to get in a car accident to become the leader. Yeah. All right. I got one last one. Last one. Uh, quirky text messages, specifically text message bubbles on screen. Hmm. No, I like those. 
I think it was creative when I first saw it. Probably, like I remember Jane the Virgin, a TV show that did it pretty well. And then it's at this point, if it's just like two characters texting, like what was that movie we watched with Reese Witherspoon and um, uh, Ashton Kutcher? You forgot already. Remember, it was a rom-com. You and me or you and only me or. You'll, ne- you'll never get me. No. Remember, they're, they're, they're like long distance dating, kind of. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't I think I was on that show. I, you were on it. It's very forget- forgettable. I don't movie. think I was on that episode. Anyway, she so, dating again? I don't remember. I think it was Ashton Kutcher. Like, she's like a, like a hippie mom in California, and he's like the... You know, Your place or mine. Your place or mine. There, there, there we go. Okay. <clears throat> so th- that was a movie where like those characters are constantly communicating. It was it was just watching text bubbles on the screen. I'm fine with that going for sure. I remember in the shallows. Remember, there's like five minutes of her texting her sister at the beginning of the shallows. Meanwhile, she's in Mexico, like at a remote beach where there is it's impossible. She has cell reception. And yet she's like sending videos back and forth over text. And uh, I think, yeah, that was when uh, I coined the term text exploitation. Oh, you movies with excessive texting. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yes, we need to ban text exploitation films. Wait a minute. This is author James Brill. (laughs) (laughs) I coined it. Um, I'm fine with it. Texting is a big part of people's lives and you got to show it somehow. Yeah. Have fun with it. It's same with like, um, what do you guys think of uh, unique subtitling? That can go. Wait, what do you mean? Like, that's like sometimes the subtitles will like reflect the mood or tenor of the person talking. Like in the Fast and the Furious, when a little fire comes across the screen and that's the subtitle of the character that doesn't speak English. <laughs> it's like the, fi- the fire shows the text across the screen. Oh, You've seen this. Wait, are, are you you're talking? They stylize like, oh, the text like John Wick when they say like Baba Yaga, and it's like it's a different sort of yeah. font or whatever. I got you saying. Right. Okay, I thought I thought like you were just watching movies with subtitles and they're stylized. And like, am I missing something? I know like it. it's, it's when like they it. make it like a visual part of the yeah. film. I think that's cool. I'm against it. You but, just want block text, but I don't care as much as the beard thing. <laughs> I'm not gonna die on this hill. Doesn't James, happen what en- about, often enough. What about when shaving a beard or just shaving stubble is like a romantic moment in a movie? Do you like that or not? Like <laughs> what that? movies are you watching where they're like, <laughs> you know what, baby? I want to show you how romantic I am. I'm gonna shave my stubble. No, no, no like <laughs> no, no, in the movie, the partner shaves not, the stubble. Yeah, the partner shaves it. The partner like they, sha- What movie is this? I've like never movie, seen a movie where partners. I've seen several movies where this happens, but Phenomenon is one of them where uh, the girl shaves John Travolta's face, and it's like a romantic moment. Is she using like like one of the old timey straight razors? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. Um, what do you think I, about that, James? What do I think about that? I think I've never thought about that. Right, right. Now's the time. So I'm just, this is a hot take. It does, if, as long as it's not symbolic. Do you hate it? Do you, are you bothered? I'm not bothered by anything unless they make it symbolic of the person getting their act together. <laughs> People can shave all they want in movies. I don't care. As long as you don't make it symbolic of them getting their act together. What if the character, what if they are getting their act together and part of that is shaving? 
um, then the uh, filmmaker has made that conscious decision to make right. shaving part of getting their act together. So I don't like it. No. But what? No, what if that character like that is part of them getting their act together? Um. Yeah. No. Wait. But are you I, saying it? It couldn't be part of a character's. I'm saying I don't character? like it. Why not? Because it's a trope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I generally will be against tropes, and especially when people are are misrepresenting why people may have a beard. Well, you can't be against tropes. There's lots of movie tropes that you like. You're just maybe like against. What? I don't what know. I like like a, a trope is just a is something that's you is, is shorthand in a movie. Name one like, that I like. I don't, do you like montages? Hate them. <laughs> do you like, like editing? <laughs> no. Okay, like those are all tropes. <laughs> no, like fast cut editing might be a trope, but editing in general, every movie has that. I know. Not, Maybe there's know. one or two that go don't, like but. pre Battleship Tankin. You're not going to see a ton of editing in those movies. There was still editing. Unless it was all captured in one shot. Which, which you, which you don't like. You don't like when movies are filmed on a, on like, look like the, when they look like they're filled on a stage. Right. And a lot I of like those editing. are long shots. I like editing. Yeah. Editing is You guys a trope. are getting so far away from what a trope is. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> we're ridiculous. not. I don't think editing's a trope. But I do think a character shaving their beard to visually represent them getting their act together is a trope. Zach, agree or disagree? Oh, I agree. I, I was more talking about, are you fine with it when it's not misrepresenting what's happening? It's actually representing what's happening. Um, so you're saying the person yeah. was clean shaven and had yes. their act together. Yes. Then, over then the course of the film, they go no, no, from that. Their to wife a guy died. With a, okay. They their stopped shaving. Died. They stopped showering. They stopped eating. And, and then, then they shave. They get their act together. They shower. They eat and they shave. How do you feel about that? I still don't like it. I understand it, but I don't like it. I think it. Uh, it props up a negative stereotype against people with beards because most people don't grow beards because they're depressed. Like that's a <laughs> negative stereotype for the record. I think the dominant stereotype about beards is, is uh manliness, not unkemptness. Right. But how often is that represented in film that like the manly men are the ones with the beards? That's not, think, what, that's not how they use more beards. often. I think more. I, often. I think, yeah, I think more often now. Yeah, you watch like the, you know, Navy SEAL with a beard. Yeah, the operator beard. I'm talking about a, yeah. a real beard, not like a, you know, stubble beard. No, no, no. I'm talking about, yeah, the operator yeah, beard. Yeah, the, the actual, yeah. Like, operator like, beard. Like what you yes. have right now, Zach, I would say no. is like an operator beard. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, no the, that is not the operator beard. James, you have an operator beard. No, my beard is no, too big. No, his is too long. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's too long. Maybe take it a couple interfere. inches off of it. This would, yeah, this would get in, in the way of my sniper rifle. <laughs> well, that's why the you got dripping your cool would give you away bandana on or whatever yeah sure. yeah all right that was all a good right. check-in kyle thanks guys yeah yeah 30 minute check-in <laughs> i told you this article 
Uh, welcome to the podcast, episode 607. Before we jump into Priscilla, don't forget video version of this podcast on YouTube. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Support us there. Get extra after show audio. You could also leave us an Apple podcast review. You could do that right now and we'd appreciate it. Five stars only. If you do that, uh, it helps other people find the show. You could also send us an email. Hey guys at Cinerealist.com. Is there a trope or a trend you've seen in films that uh, for, for me, it's more the T-bone than the car accident in general. You know what I mean? Like cars just getting T-boned in movies from like running like a, a light or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, we can get rid of the drop the audio out and put one singular high pitched sound that can go as oh, well. After like an explosion or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although if they keep doing that, it doesn't bother me that much. Anyway, send <laughs> but, us but get rid your of it own. Anyway. <laughs> send us your own, uh, you know, pet peeve or trope that you would like to see. Go, hey guys at cinerealist.com. With that, let's jump into Priscilla, which is in theaters now. We're going to talk about it right after this clip. Hi, what's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? One of the kids listening to these days. Bobby Darren, Fabian, and you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. 21! <laughs> You don't have to worry about it. Black hair and more eye makeup. I don't know if I like it. That was Priscilla, a 2023 American biographical drama written, directed, and produced by Sofia Coppola and starring Kaylee Spaney, Jacob Elordi, and Dagmara Dominus Isaac. <laughs> you can just twiddle yourself twiddle now. Elijah Four. You Thank you. <laughs> the official IMDb plot synopsis for Priscilla is when teenage Priscilla Bailey Bailey how do you how, how do you guys think you say that? I don't have it in Bo- front of me. Bolu? Bolu? Probably Bolu. When, Pris- when teenage Priscilla Bolu meets Elvis Presley, the man who is already a meteoric rock and roll superstar, becomes someone entirely unexpected in private moments, a thrilling crush, an ally in loneliness, a vulnerable best friend. I'm not even sure that's English. That was terrible. I forgot the colon. Unexpected in private moments, colon, a thrilling crush, comma. An ally in loneliness, comma, a vulnerable best friend. It, it is English, but it's an awkward plot description. Yeah, super sure. awkward. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen Priscilla, and now we're going to talk about it, starting with Zach's opinion. Well, I will tell you guys, I knew nothing about this movie when you told me we we're going to watch it. I you never didn't even know it was it. about Priscilla Presley. You just I had never heard totally of blind. it. Oh, you oh. know, it's Elvis movie. Wow. Uh, no, 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 I, I knew it was called Priscilla. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And then I, um, I Googled 
is was Priscilla Elvis's wife or daughter. You didn't and even know he had a wife named Priscilla. I I you weren't knew sure in the about back that. of my I wasn't positive. Wait, I, sure. I knew you, I knew Lisa Marie was his daughter. Yes, okay. So I was like, where does Priscilla fit in? It he might, been his he might have another daughter named Priscilla. I, that I, I think I wasn't sure if it was the mom or the wife. Okay. Because I know he was like attached to his mom. Okay. Um, his mom died. I think his mom was dead. Yeah. Right, right, but he cared about his mom a lot. Okay. Most Everyone knows do. that. Everyone knows <laughs> that. Um, so I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing besides Priscilla is Elvis's wife and Sofia Coppola directed this. Mm-hmm. And um, I really loved this movie. I liked it <laughs> quite a bit. Love. All right. All yeah. Right. I really did. Uh, quite a bit refers to a significant amount. Yeah. And that describes roughly how I liked this movie. Um, no, I was incredibly impressed by Kaylee Spanny's performance. I thought it was an Oscar worthy performance. I thought she did an absolutely phenomenal job. Uh, let me let me just briefly say that this movie, like the the whole elephant in the room in the entire movie, right? Probably the reason for it to exist is that when Elvis meets and is starts becoming interested in Priscilla, he's twenty four and she's fourteen. Yes, mm-hmm. and so this actress plays a fourteen year old, um, and then you know uh, on through like their marriage um, and then final divorce. I think she's like in her mid twenties by the time it ends. Yeah. And it, it's amazing how well she captures uh, like this innocent vulnerability of this 14 year old child. Um, so well, where I assume this actress is in like her mid twenties or something, Yeah, but she absolutely embodies this young teenage girl. And uh, the performance is so good. Um, yeah. You know, the performance is a little bit harder to like, to, to suss out when she's like has her hair done up, you know, three feet high and it was behind all the makeup. And then she just looks like a caricature, even though she's like a real person. Like that's exactly, I'm sure how Priscilla Presley looked. It's just such a silly um, outlandish look that you start losing the reality of the character, even though it's probably hyper realistic, but at least her before she's 18 was such a performance. It was really awesome. Um, and yeah, it's it for me. It felt very real. It felt it didn't feel like this, like you know, uh, fake kind of like let's put on a show of what it looked like. It felt like it was filmed at the time. Like I felt it felt real. It felt embodied of of the time. The Elvis guy was like, uh, I would say, a, a complicated. Um, kind of interesting figure that had um i don't know like you could you could kind of see why people were drawn to him but also like he's like an idiot you know it's just very interesting portrait of elvis um yeah i i like this movie pretty much from start to finish i really enjoyed it kyle what'd you think i liked this movie too yeah i was definitely interested the entire time never bored um, I agree with you on the performances. I'm nothing to to repeat there. Um, I f- I feel like I'd seen Kaylee Spaney in something before, but I looked at her her, uh, her credits. And the only thing that she was in that I've seen is Pacific Rim Uprising. I don't remember her standing out in that. So I think she just has maybe a recognizable face. Um, what I found interesting of this movie, and you kind of touched on this, Zach, is just the presentation 
where it almost feels like a documentary, where things are just kind of presented as is, where you're you're experiencing th- this whole movie is through her eyes. I think she, Priscilla's is in every single scene. There's never a scene of characters talking where she is not it, involved in that scene whatsoever. Um, and this is based on uh, Priscilla Presley's memoir about her her life like, relationship with Elvis. So you're seeing this entire relationship through her eyes and the movie is kind of just presented as is like it definitely has a point of view on the relationship but there's never a time where she's like talking to a best friend and being like oh Elvis he gets this way sometimes but I know he really loves me like the movie's not explaining things to you about the relationship it's just kind of presenting of here's how they interacted and it's kind of up to you as the viewer to decide like is this an okay way for a couple to react or for a uh, you know, man to be dating a teenage girl knows the answer, but there is there's definitely not, there's not running commentary throughout the movie, which I thought, thought to be very interesting. Um, I, I did find it interesting that this movie was shot very darkly, if that makes sense. Like even when they were outside, everything was, it just seemed like there was this darkness over the entire movie. And I don't know if you guys noticed that too, or without, you know, like what, what choice Sofia Coppola was trying to make if she was just trying to like have this sort of doom cloud hanging over it. But I found the movie to be just very physically dark to look at. I didn't think it was dark. I thought it was like enclosed. Maybe that's she's, she's kind of captured. Yes. By other people through most of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe enclosed is a good way of saying it. Cause right. She is very much a prisoner at times. Right. And there's a couple moments where you can see her out in the open and like things are said to her to not be that way. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine that the Elvis Presley estate is not very happy with this movie because Elvis definitely is not portrayed as a great person, as a great husband. And a lot of his flaws are on display in this movie and maybe things Mm -hmm. that aren't really talked about of his personality, but that obviously Priscilla Presley herself remembers or experienced. Yeah. Cause she was an executive producer on this and it's based off of her biography. Exactly. Yeah. And she saw this movie and then told the main actress like, yep, that's pretty much how I felt. Yeah. Hmm. And I she- do remember reading that Lisa Marie before she passed away, she did see the movie and was less pleased with it. Right. Possibly because it maybe was about a part of her father she either didn't know about or didn't want to know about. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Somehow I've seen eight projects Kaylee Spaney has been in. Vice. She was in that movie Vice. Okay. She was in, um, uh, what's this movie? Bad Times at the El Royale. She was in Mara of Easttown, which was an HBO miniseries. Pacific Rhone Uprising on the basis of sex, which is the Ruth Bader Ginsburg bio. She was in Devs, which if you haven't seen Devs, Kyle, you need to watch Devs. And that's okay. Who does she? That's me where I saw. She's her. one of the hackers in Devs. Okay, I. That's probably where I recognize her from. Then. Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. That was great. Most recently, I watched How It Ends, which was pretty good. She's in that. She plays the younger version of the main actor in it um anyway i 
uh, will echo you guys. Like, I think there's definitely two things this movie has going for it. One, Sofia Coppola's ability to tell a story without having to rely on specific plot beats. <laughs> like, she can just kind of give you the vibe of something. Mm-hmm. And that is entertaining enough the way she presents it. Um, and so you're not watching it waiting for her to have a child. You know what I mean? Because that's when the story is going to turn type of thing, or this one specific thing, you know, about Priscilla Presley is going to happen. And now the story breaks and we're into the finale chase scene or anything like that. Like that's not what's going to happen in this movie. You're just going to get a feel for how it might have felt to be Priscilla Presley in this time period that she's around Elvis and um, she's really good at vibe movies. Uh, Probably the best example is somewhere, which is a movie where almost nothing happens and yet it's riveting. Uh, And this movie kind of made me, gave me feeling uh, there more happens in this, but it gave me kind of the same feeling where I'm just kind of like nothing I can feel right now. Like nothing of huge importance is going to happen at the end of, every scene and it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then that's one side of the movie that I thought was really well done. And then the other side is this incredible performance from, uh, Spaney who just kind of, I don't know what a good performance of Priscilla Presley looks like. Cause I don't, I don't know enough about her or have seen enough footage of her or even heard her talk once. I don't think in my entire life. And so I don't know what a good or a bad version of this is. All I know is the person they presented in this film, it was clear that, uh, I mean, I hate using this word because it's people have used it as a weapon, but I mean, she was groomed, right? <laughs> From, oh, that, that's the way this movie presents it is like he was attracted to a young person he thought he could control. He looped her in. Uh, had the power and influence to do that and then trained her to be the woman who never spoke up essentially. And um, at some point she got pushed to the edge and quietly left. At least that's how the movie presents it. And um, not knowing the actual history, I'm going to assume that this was the truth, especially since it was based on her biography. Um, But yeah, that's, that's uh that's what they presented and in combination of Sofia Coppola's style and uh Kaylee Spaney's performance I can't think of a better version of this. The those were the parts that made me bristle was mm-hmm. when he would say things to her or he said something Elvis would say something to um the father Priscilla's father something like oh she's she's wiser than her age. Mm-hmm. And it like like and they just kind of use this like groomer language throughout the movie. Sure. And then like even she says to her mom when she wants to go back out to the ranch, like, oh, he needs me. Like, like he trusts me. He needs me to be out there. And right, and you just you see how he exactly you said kind of groomed her and controlled her and got her to be within his circle of trust, where they yeah. into the kind of this codependent relationship, but also where he could also just do what he wanted on the side. And come back and be like, oh, my bad. I stepped out. You're the only one actually for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the moment when she's, I forget what she's talking about, but he's like, look, the woman I'm going to end up with 
isn't going to have opinions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something like that. I, f- I forget the exact, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, There's like yeah. a moment when the, I think they're on the phone and she's trying to talk to him about something she's into. And he's like, I don't care about any of that. And he does that a couple times. He, you know, multiple right. times as they're living together before they're married, he says like, oh, my wife does this or the girl I'm with has to do this. Right. Yeah. Like he's just kind of giving her hints that if she doesn't come in line with what he thinks his future wife would be, then, you know, he's giving her clues. Right. Um, and then they, and then the worst part probably is when, um, when he's like, the girl I'm going to be with is going to be into the books I read. Yeah. So he's basically <laughs> telling her she has to read all this crap. And it is the few moments in the movie where she stands up for herself. So okay, He's so, so insufferable in those moments. Yeah. I, I have a question about that moment. And I mean, I, spoiler, I guess. Right. So th- this is what he's into. He's into like mysticism and yoga and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. And he says that line, you know, the girl I'm with must be into what I'm into. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, he gets a call from uh, the colonel. And the colonel's, we never hear his voice, but it sounds like the colonel essentially says like, hey, give up this whole Eastern mysticism stuff. Are are we, and then she kind of hears the call. Are we supposed to get the idea that she maybe contacted the colonel and was like, hey, he's really into this Eastern stuff and we got to kibosh it or something Oh, I didn't get that vibe. It's ambiguous. Yeah, I I wasn't sure. Like, I thought Mm -hmm. she had a little smirk on her face, but I couldn't tell if they were trying to say like she actually did, like took agency and was able to manipulate him through the colonel or is it just kind of coincidence that hmm. the colonel was saying enough of this while she also was I, sick of it. Yeah. I think it was ambiguous. It could have been either. Okay. I took it more as um, in the same way that he's controlling of her, uh, the colonel's controlling of Elvis. Oh, okay. right. Which we saw say. in Elvis last year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting that her experience is almost completely unrepresented in, the Elvis movie right from last year. Um, I also want to just highlight Sophia Coppola's writing because I think it's really great and economical um, how much she's able to get across um, about character through these little moments. And and one part that just felt so genuine to me is this little moment. There's a later in the film, there's a jukebox and there, his buddies are asking Elvis like, Hey, what do you want to play on the jukebox? How about you play that Beatles song? Mm-hmm. And Elvis makes this joke about like, oh, what's a beetle? It's like crawling all over the ground. And his friends all laugh. And it felt so authentic to um, a guy that like has never had to develop a an actual good sense of humor <laughs> because people around him are like yes manning him for like other reasons. Right. And so he he can say things that are just legitimately not funny or creative or clever but people will treat it as if he said something funny. And I just, that, that absolutely I've seen that in real life. Um, people that are kind of in this bubble. And so they don't, they don't have to develop like actual personality skills. Mm-hmm. And it just, this little moment felt very true to like, that must've been Elvis's experience. Absolutely. Like at some point that person thinks that they're just naturally funny when in reality, people are just humoring them. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And I, you know, I think some of that is also not to get too much on Elvis, but to live that you have to live a secluded lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? They, either they were in Graceland or they were on the road. So he's always surrounding himself with the same people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like vaguely knew that like, uh, Priscilla Presley was much younger than Elvis and that they met when she was young and that this relationship had its problems for sure. Um, but the, I, for some reason I just never considered the, um, grooming aspect, which totally makes sense, yeah. especially if that's how she portrays it in her book. Um, and that's how the film portrays it. It's like, okay, that makes total sense. The other thing I read that represented in the movie is that they didn't have a sexual relationship until she was 21, which to me again is like, why, why exert that kind of control over somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're just doing it because you can, because what? they're just kind of like a pawn. I don't how know. Old, how old was she when they got married? Uh, I think she was like 18 or something like that. Okay. So oh, really? I, I think it was, I feel like they, it was later than that that they got married. Like she, I don't she went to live there in her senior year of high school, but well, that's she was living there that. for a while. Um, uh, 1967, they marry. Okay. So what year was she? <laughs> well, wasn't she 14 and 59? She's 14 and 59. So 59, carry the. So seven years 14. later. Okay. Yeah. So seven years later. So she's 21. 21. 21. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe they didn't have a sexual relationship until they were married. I mean, she was Catholic. Right. In the so, movie they presented as that didn't matter much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on her I, I, side. On her side. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true. That's true. <laughs> um but he did have a big old Jesus statue in his bedroom. <laughs> and he Which, was definitely Is that a red a fair, flag? What? How uh no, it's not because I, I think a lot of Catholics have that. If you were a girl and you walked into a guy's bedroom and there was a pedestal with a Jesus statue on it. That wouldn't be a red flag to you? Am I Catholic? <laughs> is it a crucifix? I don't know. If it's, if it's a crucifix, that's fine. It's just, that's going to be the be- above the bed anyway. Um, <laughs> I would not be. I'd be asking some questions. James, Can you, I say you, have one you been around a lot of Catholics, James? I just don't want some. I don't want arm spread Jesus statue looking over my bed. That's right. right. Well, you're not Catholic. Yeah. I'm just saying, even if I was Catholic, <laughs> well, I would not be a, into it. That much of a choice at that point. So I guess, um, is that in the rules been... for Catholics? They have to have a Jesus statue watching them, watching over their bed. But wait, when you say Jesus that. statue, do you mean crucifix? Like, he, he no, there was Jesus. literally a Jesus statue. I did, did not notice a Jesus statue. Was it, it was Jesus like, on the cross? No, it was, it was like just teacher Jesus. Jesus. Teacher Jesus. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, that, like that outfit. Okay, I know. Like mounted to the wall. No, it was on a pedestal. You don't okay. remember this from the movie? They showed it like three I times. Don't. I remember like the tiger. Um, but can I say one scene? This just seems so strange and out of place, and it just sure. I don't know. It did. It didn't seem to fit with his character, and I just didn't understand it. Remember when he was with that bunch of groupies, and he was reading the Bible to them? Yeah. It's and like he's like, yeah, I I personally think that Jesus was attracted to the woman at the well, mm-hmm. and it just see and he's like openly flirting with the girl. It just, I it just seems so odd. It was such odd behavior. Like who are these people that are like listening to him talk about like the Bible, but like are also like totally flirting with him? It was just interesting right. to me. I guess I, I never knew about 
Elvis's expand your mind phase. Like I don't, right. I don't associate that with him. I'm, I'm sure he did just being a, a figure in the sixties, but yeah, right. it did seem a little out of place for me. Yeah. I think it never bled into his art output. And so I think most people don't think about that. I didn't know about it either until watching this movie. So yeah. that also wasn't in Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. And this movie focused much more on his movie making than his music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's only the one seed where he's trying, you know, he's like bashing all the songs. He's has the new songs he's recording. He's not happy with any of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, again, I just, her performance was incredible. I would rewatch this movie just to watch that performance. Do you think it's Oscar worthy? Yes. Yeah, I think, I think she'll get a nomination. Yeah. I don't know if she'll get a nomination just because I think maybe the movie's a little low profile, but I'd be fine if she did. That's for sure. Uh, I also did not expect a Dan Deacon song to drop into the middle of this movie. That was wild to me. The like techno song that's like right in the middle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> m- most of the music was period specific. And then most of it, but not all one, of it. <laughs> anachronistic, yeah, that was anachronistic for me. Yeah, it, it was a little odd. Right. I mean, I love that song. So to have it show up in the middle of this Elvis related thing was like a little weird for me. Although I dug it in the end because I was like, okay, I, you forget that this is the same person that made Marie Antoinette, which is like punk music set to <laughs> the story of Marie Antoinette. So um, it worked for me in the end. Uh, I also did not miss the Elvis music because personally, I think most Elvis music is hokey as hell and so i liked that they picked things that were like actually good songs from the time period and like yeah. you know, plugged those in here and there it is funny how hokey elvis is Very especially hokey. like as he like gets older well y- yeah yeah do you think like his early stuff is hokey i mean it's kind of like like old time rock and roll but that was jailhouse sort of rock genre. yeah it's pretty hokey oh, but or house dog Especially if you see him while he's singing it, it's very hokey. Okay. Kyle, that was music that like teenagers liked at the time and like children listen to these days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're practically schoolhouse rock songs. Ain't nothing but a hound dog and stuff like that. That's like I, I think it was more than just children listening to Hound Dog. He was a huge Back then star. I agree. But to, by today's standards, that is well, hokey. As well, yeah, because music has evolved. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get myself in the in the mental frame of like, all right, it's 1959, it's 1955, and I'm hearing this. Music has evolved. Are you saying everybody was hokey in that time period? I would say I don't know. I I think if you think like old timey rock and roll sound is 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 hokey, then you're gonna associate that with Buddy Holly and with all those artists. I, Buddy Holly has some hokey songs, but he also has some songs that have absolutely stood the test of time, uh, like House of the Rising Sun. You know, there's lots of music from that time period that, that is, is not, not that is he, not as cheesy as Elvis' songs. Buddy Holly did House of the Rising Sun? No, I'm just naming songs that are from that time period. No, that, that's the animals. That's like a decade later was House of the Rising Sun. Buddy Holly was like early 50s. Yeah. Okay. I'm... My point is, not everybody was singing Hound Dog at the time. Okay. Right? I don't know. The the, the nuns were into Elvis. So I think everyone was singing it. I'm not saying people weren't into it. I'm saying there were other artists releasing music that was not as hokey as Elvis. Maybe it wasn't as popular, but it was being released at the time. Okay. I (laughs) I think a lot of part is hokiness, like 
what's cool and becomes hokey over time. Yeah. Like usually. For the record, I'm not against him being hokey. I just don't need to hear a two-hour movie about him being, you know, singing songs that I don't care for anyway. Well, like, you know, like in the Elvis movie from last year or the year before or after last year, probably. Sure. Um, You know, he did an incredible impersonation of Elvis's like yep. hip, hip swinging kind of thing. And um, it's accurate, but it's it, it's so cringy. I mean, right. Seeing someone do that is cringy because it's it's really hokey now. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not like going to cause women now to scream. Uh, it's just it's cringeworthy, I think, now. Sure. But back then, I totally get it. Yeah. And I was fine with, with that, it Kyle? in that movie because you're watching the guy perform the yeah. thing. He should be performing the actual song. But in this case, they didn't have to do that. And I think it worked without doing it. I'll, I'll agree it. that Elvis's music as he aged in his career got worse. Like Love Me Tender and like In the Ghetto, all that stuff. Not a fan of what he was doing in like the late 60s and the 70s. The Cape. Yeah, the cape stuff. Yeah. Sure. That was all the showmanship at that point. So that was just Elvis, the personality. Yeah. 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 And some of those old songs, um, Jailhouse Rock and uh, Hound Dog, and uh, there's probably 10 others. I don't really have a problem with those songs. They're just, they are what they are, which is disposable pop goofiness. Um, I, that, this movie made me feel really sad. For Lisa Marie Presley, like, I guess, repeating the mistakes of her her mom, like, because didn't she marry um, Michael, Michael Jackson? Jackson? Yep, briefly. Yeah, it's just like, well, that that's just so sad to me to think through because he had his own string of issues and was as famous as Elvis. And it's just it just seems like sad. Yeah. Yeah. And. I mean, she didn't stay with him near as long as Priscilla did, but. No, but there's a music video of Michael Jackson, Lisa Marie. There's no music videos of Elvis. That's a cringy music video. Yeah, that music video, that was cringy then and it's cringy now. (laughs) I'll give you that one. (laughs) Also, Lisa Marie Presley kind of had her own name when she married Michael Jackson, whereas Priscilla Presley was literally a nobody and also they the movie felt like they actively tried to make sure that priscilla presley did not get famous as elvis's wife you know what i mean like they did not want her to be her own entity or her own anything she it's not like he brought her up on stage and right. was like let's sing a duet you know what i mean or anything like that Maybe like she, she couldn't sing. Didn't even come know. to set with him. Like she would. Right. She just lived at Graceland. She was just the thing that was hidden away for him oh, to play with when he came home. Yeah, he he said something. Yeah, that's right. Early, she she wants to like get a part time job, mm-hmm. and he says something like, "Oh, you have to choose either career or me. I need I need my woman to be ready when I'm ready, or something like that. It's like ready right. for me when I need her." Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that Baz Lerman, he left a lot out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, I think. Uh, I wonder as, if the. Ch- Sorry. As Zach said, Elvis was a very complicated figure. Right. Sure. And he also had his own issue of how he was being controlled. So 
or I think Baz Luhrmann was telling one part of the Elvis story, which is sort of like the Colonel Parker influence. Mm-hmm. And then Priscilla is telling the, you know, how she was being controlled by him and this other part of his personality. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's any one per, I don't think there's any one person that he was. He was complicated and had a lot of things going on. Sure. It would be hard to corroborate the pillow story, but the chair throwing story. There were other people in that room. Oh, yeah. I wonder if anybody has corroborated that. I, do we need to? I mean, corroborate. She was in the room. No, I know. personally, I uh, I don't need it corroborated. But uh, if other people would be, uh, you know, Elvis stands who don't want to believe this is how he was behind closed doors. If they needed any proof. That would be something you might be able to corroborate. <laughs> Some of the other all stuff of, is much harder to corroborate. All I also really appreciated this movie's restraint in how it tells stories. And Sofia Coppola just does that naturally. Mm-hmm. But uh, like Mostly. it's definitely had the drugs, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they both got addicted to. But it it really didn't lean into it. It was just kind of there. But most movies, this would have been like a 20 minute drug thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one didn't wasn't. There's no scene where she's screaming at him by, like about the pills or dumping them down the sink or anything like that. There's, there's, there's yeah, there's, there's no one scene where she like blames the pills, but yeah. other than that, yeah, yeah, because yeah, no he grooms her to accept the pills as like a part of life. Yeah, is- yeah, sure. I I don't think that was like an intentional thing he was doing to like, you know, position her how he wanted. It's more like this is what I do, so you do it too. Right. She was also partying until who knows what time at night and then going to school the next day. So, yeah, as yeah. a 14 year old. Yeah. Or she was 17 by that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also really like about this movie that On the Rocks made me a little concerned about Sofia Coppola and now not so concerned. Like, I yeah, thought that yeah. I thought On the Rocks was like a step to like, um, mass market (laughs) filmmaking you know what i mean it was like her attempt to just be more less sofia coppola and more like traditional rom-com and it was kind of like if there's enough of those people around i just want you to make movies that like are are akin to what i thought your style was like and now she makes priscilla and it's like yep still got the style for sure yeah it was good so i was excited about that what are you guys letterboxing this one I'm giving it a four and a half. Wow. You really liked it. Yeah. I like Sofia Coppola movies, especially ones where almost nothing happens. And that's what this movie is. (laughs) But a four and a half. That's high. Sure. Is it? Well, I'm going to give it four stars. And I do have a theater story to tell you guys after we give our ranks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is definitely a four and a half. Okay. <laughs> so Zach, you're, you also get a four and a half. Why are you giving me crap for four and a half? <laughs> I wasn't, I was just clarifying. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> All right. Um, two, four and a half and a four for Priscilla. Let's get into Kyle's theater story. <laughs> Traditionally, we tell those before the movie review. Well, we try to delay the tradition. movie review as, as far as possible. Yeah, I, we already spent some time on my check in, so I didn't want to then tell another story on top of that. It just it would have been a trope. 
oh, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. <laughs> we're all about breaking tropes here. All right. So where I saw it, the theater I was in was at the end of a hallway where the hallway mm-hmm. like would split to the left and to the right. And there's a theater on the left and a theater on the right. And I was in the theater on the right showing Priscilla. And the theater on the left was going to show the Taylor Swift movie in like an hour. Okay. So I'm in my theater. We're like an hour into the movie. And it's this is during the LSD trip scene. This woman walks in with like her 10-year-old daughter. And she's mm-hmm. like walking around. She turns on her flashlight like on her phone. is like looking at seats. Granted, L- during this is happening, and you guys know where this is going. Priscilla and Elvis are tripping on LSD and like stroking a, a, a ceramic tiger, right? And she's just like looking around, looking at the seat. She's like holding her like flashlight, like like shining on us. Mm-hmm. And I was just like flashlight, like I, you know, I was like, dude. And eventually, you know, she's like looking for her seats, and then she she kind of says to me, "Is this for Taylor Swift?" And I was like, "No, this is Priscilla. Taylor Swift is next door." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, sorry." And so she leaves and goes next door. 10 minutes later, another woman comes in with like eight girls, like eight to 10 years old. And like they start walking around. And I just say, like, just in the theater, I just go, Taylor Swift is next door. <laughs> like, just in, the, in like my teacher voice. <laughs> and how many people were in this theater legitimately watching Priscilla? Uh, 10. Okay. Yeah, 10. And, and like people were kind of giggling after the first woman came in and then left. So I, I felt like I could, I could, I felt okay making a Taylor Swift joke and this theater sure. would be okay with it because they already were kind of whispering about this, so this woman obliviousness. This story is kind of just you like yelling in the theater. Yeah, you're just yelling at women. <laughs> no, and little girls. <laughs> That's you well, nothing for this film. So I. <laughs> Like, I was just confused by how, like, why were people walking into, like, it was clearly Taylor Swift's on the left, Priscilla's on the right, like, there's mm-hmm. two separate hallways. Why are people, like, this oblivious and showing up in the wrong theater? And then I left, and I'm going to send you guys a picture, and I saw kind of how the, how the theater was laid out, and it made sense to me. So, if you see in this picture, at the very, like, top of the ceiling... They say like theater. Can you just six hold up. it up to the camera. Well, I mean, sure. I don't know if that really does anything for you. I sent on Discord. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. So like on the top, one marquee says Taylor Swift on the left, and then on the right it says Priscilla. But if you zoom into the back of the hallway, it's on the yeah. They put the poster on the wrong. They put the poster on the wrong side. So at so first, I was women like, aren't stupid. Yeah, yeah. At first, I was like, "God, these stupid Swifties! Can't they figure <laughs> out what theater to go to?" But then, with the poster placement, I totally understand why people were going the wrong way. Yeah. Now, I also you should ask for your money back. <laughs> well, I, like I could see going into the wrong theater, but then if you walk in and the theater is pitch black and there's a movie in progress, you think maybe something would clue you in. Like maybe I'm in the wrong spot. Like I don't remember. Taylor Swift and Elvis getting high on stage. <laughs> it might be a trailer. You don't know. I, I guess so. I guess so. But <laughs> I mean, if, the, if at any moment that movie left. felt like a trailer, it was that moment. Yeah. 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 And the, the other moment that the other family came in was like during this 1970s montage. So like they, they were both kind of these montage scenes that these people are walking in. Mm. So maybe I could see it. So. Anyway, I I blame the theater for putting the poster on the wrong side. Swifties, you're cool. Did you tell them? No, 
I'm not going to tell. You're just going to let the next Priscilla screening suffer through all the interruptions. I want to give someone else the power to say Taylor Swift is next door to the theater. That's it's really up. empowering to be able to just have that control in the theater. It's like yelling fire, but you know, legally. That's the difference <laughs> between Kyle and me. When the subtitles were fuzzy on Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, I was the first one out of the theater to get that crap fixed. Yeah, Kyle but it, won't even just tell them that see, their poster's in the wrong spot. I don't think I would want people. someone. I don't think I'd want someone yelling out Taylor Swift is next door in the middle of my movie just to like give these women out faster. Like that, they'll figure it out eventually with no talking. With ten people in the theater and eight walk in, I think Kyle did the right thing. I I feel especially since it was the at second peace with group. what I did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not on the first group because you don't know why, but the second group. Oh yeah, no, no, I, think I, he's I, fine. I didn't yell. I mean, when I, when I say yell, I just mean I just used a projected voice. I wasn't like <laughs> Taylor Swift's next door. I wasn't mad or anything. <laughs> I, I just like wanted them to know. You know, I'm not gonna whisper like across the aisle. Taylor Swift's next know, door. But you so. could theoretically, if you're in that audience, just be really into the film in that moment and kind of not notice or pay attention to the fact that people just walked into the theater but you can't not notice or pay attention to someone yelling something out everyone noticed the eight girls in sparkly dresses blah, 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 blah. like Walking everyone knew they three were three quarters of the way through the movie <laughs> right yeah they, they, this again this was a small like this <laughs> only had five or six rows to this theater they weren't in some like huge ultra screen or anything like that everyone knew they were there <laughs> everyone knew why they were there Someone had to say you're in the wrong spot, and I just took that opportunity. Okay, I think I think he's in the right, yeah. especially for the second group. No, yeah. the, the the first woman again. I I did say something about the flashlight because that wasn't cool, like holding your flashlight up while people were watching the movie. But then when she was like, I didn't say to her like you're in the wrong spot. Like she asked me, is this Taylor Swift? I said, no, that's next door. Like and I, and I did that in a normal conversation voice for the sure. proximity we were in. Cal, what percentage of movies you watch in the theater? Do you, are you saying something out loud? <laughs> I feel like that's included in most of these stories is you um, verbally saying something. I I have no Unless problem. Unless the poster's in the wrong spot, <laughs> then he won't tell anybody about it. Right. <laughs> I have no problem in a theater verbally saying something to a person who's being a rude audience member. It does not bother me. How would you feel about someone saying something to you if they perceived you as being rude for talking? Well, I don't that talk to movie happen. for one thing. That would never happen. <laughs> and like, also, I, if the person behind me like talks once, I don't mm. like snap at them. It's 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 just like if we're forty five minutes into a movie and they're still having a conversation, yeah, I'm saying something because at this point it's gonna keep going. Like if they didn't stop within the first two minutes, they're not gonna stop in the next hour. So I judge the situation, but it does not bother me to speak up during a movie. Nice. I um. It might just be when I go, but I I observe much less bad behavior in movie theaters these days. But also, I'm not going on Friday or Saturday nights anymore. So, I I thought I'd be safe Sunday at eleven o'clock, but guess not. A.M. All those Swifties got to get in the first showing. Yeah, I know of the day. Did you see that, James? See Taylor Swift. There is tour. Yeah. No. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> Do you? Uh, I, I mean, I haven't gone. It does seem like a cultural touchstone. 
Sure. I think for um, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know if I like if you're a younger person, maybe it's a cultural touchstone. Yeah. If like, I would, it, it doesn't it, feel like it's applicable to our generation. If tickets to Nine Inch Nails concerts were like $5,000 for good seats or whatever they're charging for her concerts. And not only that, you might not even be able to go even if you want to spend on it. And then they released a concert film. I would go to that because I'm a fan and that's the only way I could see it. So I don't begrudge anybody who goes to see Taylor Swift in theater. It makes total sense to me, especially like parents who don't want to bring their kids to like a concert and have all of that type of thing. Totally into it. Uh, Don't have an issue with it. And I like the idea of movie theaters surviving. (laughs) And so anything they can put in a movie theater that will get people out is okay with me. Not anything, but this I'm okay with. Um, But that doesn't mean I'm going to spend two hours watching it. (laughs) I'm more likely to watch that Netflix thing that she put out. That's less concert film and more like documentary. Have you guys heard about that? No, no. She put out something like a year ago. And it's like a documentary, maybe two years ago. I don't remember. Um, and uh, it's been on my watch list, but maybe I'll watch that in support of the Arrows tour being a hit in theaters. In that documentary, there's a segment where she wants to, this is like in the run up to the 2020 election. And she oh, wants I'm, to okay. be I've vocal about, yeah, she wants to be vocal against Trump. And everybody on her team is like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to lose fans, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. Like we need to do this. And then the one guy's like, right. I'm not saying that because you lose fans. I'm saying that because we had to like bulletproof your, your car recently. Like people are going to be after you even more than they already are. And she's like, I have a moral responsibility or obligation or something like, I forget what she says, but it's good. I kind of assumed that was PR. I mean, it is in a documentary that she produced and released <laughs> so, and could have easily cut that out. You thought her being anti-Trump was PR? No, I thought her including that scene where she's oh, okay. like defending her decision to her family. Oh, sure. Yes. Was yeah. PR. For sure. She's definitely trying to have a spin a story. Hmm. I haven't seen the whole documentary, so I'd have to watch the whole documentary and then decide if she's a genuine person on camera or a big old faker, <laughs> as you're accusing her of being. No, I, I, I think the moment <laughs> the moment was genuine. Again, I haven't seen the movie. I assume the moment's genuine. Like she wasn't right. like, okay, roll the cameras. I don't like. I think that happens. But then what Zach is saying, then then to include that specific moment in this documentary is but, a, a, a narrative she's pushing. I'm probably suggesting more than what Kyle is giving me credit oh, for. Oh, I'm probably right. suggesting that's what I that got. they're that's like, I got uh, let's have, um, let's have a conversation on camera about this so that, you know, I can defend it, <laughs> which I think is super common in reality TV. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that, you have that feeling because it wasn't independently filmed, edited and released. Like had it been like a, some kind of monster situation with Metallica where like an outside filmmaker filmed this thing, then took the footage home, edited it and then released it, whether the band approved of it or not. If that was still in there in that situation, would you think differently? Yeah. So it's just the fact Mm -hmm. that like she has complete control over the end product. 
it's that and uh it's such an important uh risk aversion like like it's so necessary because she legitimately could lose half her fans mm-hmm. um so like I, I i just don't know how you take like someone who's sitting on a billion dollars of like you know potential mm-hmm. and not like at least be thoughtful about this you know oh so you're but wouldn't the easy thing to be wouldn't the easy thing be to just not include it like the risk um, of you losing your fans as you continually talking about it right well i think my guess is and again out of ignorance Sure. Is that uh, she has been more like speaking out like politically sure. and like putting her thumb on the scale in local elections and wherever she lives or whatever like that. So since that's happening anyways, including this helps like, you know, uh, people to maybe understand her better. I mean, isn't that the point of the whole documentary? Yes. <laughs> so would you include something as important as politics? No, what I'm saying is like she, her fans would already see her getting more political. So yes, you would include it sure. in order to like explain that as a PR move. Gotcha. Does that make sense? It does, but like the same comment could be made for anything they decided to include in the documentary, right? No, no. But I'm specifically saying that moment was manufactured would be my guess. You think they were like, hey, you know what we're missing in this? Some explanation of your political opinions that you've been voicing recently. So let's come up with a conversation that yeah. we can pretend to have. Yeah. And then splice it in. Yeah. I haven't seen the I haven't seen the documentary, so I don't know the context. I've just seen that one clip. So I guess yeah, I, have just be to watch it. I I wouldn't be mad if it wasn't the case. I, sure. I and like I'm often wrong about things. That's just like if I were a betting man. It just seemed sure. like a normal reality show kind of PR thing. It's entirely possible it was that. Uh, and also, I don't think she has to do that. <laughs> I think she's probably rich and famous enough that she could not do that or do that. And it wouldn't matter one my, way or the other. My you guys assumption have is just, about this way more than I think most people. She's my, kind my, of untouchable at this point. My assumption is that people at this level of like public awareness, mm-hmm. like, everything about their public image is so scrutinized like so much you know what i mean and so i just imagine this is not just an off-the-cuff thing that was included you know it just like it seems like everything is thought i mean like literally there the conversation at least the piece that i've seen it the discussion around it is the risk she took the first time she spoke out and how calculated that was so i would agree with you that when you're at this level and you're making public statements, it's not like you're casually throwing it out there. You've thought it through in theory. There are certainly exceptions to that rule. Elon Musk, where people with extremely high profiles just say whatever they want without thinking about it. But also he has far more detractors than she does, even though maybe they're vocal in different ways about the same thing. She just, does it with a team behind her and actually listens to them. <laughs> and so maybe gets it out in a way where she's not losing fans in mass. Anyway, Kyle, great story. <laughs> I have so, I have no opinion on Taylor Swift. I'm still, uh, 
disappointed in you that you didn't tell the theater staff to move their darn poster for the next screening, but you know, can't win. I mean, James, you have an opportunity to call this theater. No, it's not my responsibility. It's Kyle's responsibility. He was there. No, I think I'm just going to start attending every showing of Priscilla in that theater. <laughs> and yelling at people as they and walk d- in. Yeah, and the minute I see like sparkles, I'll be like, Taylor Swift's next door. <laughs> yep, not even going to. It's my sure. mission to make sure people know where to go in the most you can only leave when you make possible. one of them. You can only leave when you make one of them cry. Why? <laughs> make like an eight-year-old Swifty cry. Little girl who's a fan. Easy. Challenge accepted. Not that I want to make people cry, though. <laughs> I was going to say, that came out a little too easy. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, making eight-year-olds cry is not that hard of a thing to do. You do it all the time. No, I don't do it all the we time. We get it. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on to movie games. Specifically one that we haven't played in a while. Uh, this one is called Chain Reaction. It's a uh, it's an oldie but goodie, an original movie game that we invented on this podcast way back in the day. I wonder when the first year we played Chain Reaction is. What do you think? What do you have? Two thousand fourteen. I would agree with twenty fourteen. You think twenty fourteen? You think it was that early? Yeah. This is a I first do. year game. Yeah. I do think that. Okay. I will look it up while Kyle tells us the rules of the game. Great. I'm so glad you asked me to tell you the rules of the game because I had to re-ask what the rules were before the podcast started. <laughs> Maybe Zach can help no, you out. I got this. Stuff. I got this. Okay. All right. So Chain Reaction is a game where we're going to go around. One of us is going to name a movie. The next person must name an actor from that movie or director, someone, a person involved in that movie. And then the third person now must name another movie that that actor, director, whatever person was in involved with and it continues we keep the going new back and forth between the new actor excuse, what did you say zach with a new person with a new person not, yes and we keep going back person. and forth between person movie person movie each Different person movie. each movie must be new if you cannot think of a person or movie you are out with the assumption though that the person who named the person or movie can then fill in the next part of the chain so I cannot exactly. I cannot say a very obscure movie to James and then pass it to James. And then if he can't name an actor from that movie, I must now be able to name an actor from the movie that I passed to him. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to suggest that once once someone can't think of one and then the challenger has to name the one that they were thinking of that stops the chain. And then the challenger thinks of a new person or, or the, the, the third person thinks of a new person. I like it. Oh yeah. They, the, the challenger lost and they get a negative point or one. Oh, so it's golf. And would you want the smallest amount of points? No, no, I'm saying the, the or, or the chair, the, I'm talking about if the challenger can't. Oh, I themselves. see. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. The first time we played chain reaction on this podcast was in fact, 2014, May 31st. 2014 yeah great episode this game's a decade chain reaction old day. almost yeah chain reaction chain day. Reaction everybody day. calls it on twitter chain reaction day May i would love a cinerealist holiday calendar <laughs> just like <laughs> just make up make up holidays that are applied to the cinerealist for the entire year just, yeah yeah sure um yeah okay 
So uh, if you didn't understand that description, you will once we start playing it. It'll, it'll make sense. I it's promise. crystal clear. All right. And I'll keep score as always. All right. I'm going to start with the name of a movie. And then Zach is going to name a person related to that movie. Okay. And the movie is La La La, la, la Land. La la, la 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 land. Nice. I'm gonna say Emma Stone. I'm going to say Birdman. And I'm going to say Michael Keaton. <laughs> Batman. Batman. I'm gonna say Kim Basinger. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> Kim Basinger <laughs> was in a lot of movies in the nineties. Yep. Um, the question is, can I name one? I say you have about 10 seconds, 10 seconds, more yeah. than 10 seconds. Th- this has got to be, it's got to be. Bam, no, no, bam, no. Bam. We'll do speed round later. We're, we're just getting the flow of it right now. Um, <laughs> so Kim how many Basinger? seconds do you want? 10 minutes? I mean, what, yeah, what like, like you, you can't, well, I can't even Kim, think you guys are talking Kim, so much. Kim Basinger, Basinger, Kim Basinger, like. Sure. Um, was she in uh, Sliver? I, I don't believe so. Was she, James? I don't know. I'll look it up, though, to see if I'm right. Okay. No, don't she, look her up. No, don't look it up, James. Kyle has to. I, lo- I have to look it up. Okay. Because. Wait, wait. You, if. No, what? we have to determine whether I'm wrong or right first. Yeah, but if he looks it up, the then that... he might have an association. Spoiled no, if for she, him. no, no, if she's not in it, then it doesn't help him come up with a challenge. But if she is in it, you might not know someone else in Sliver. So the fact that you just looked it up, you might see someone else in Sliver. You're well, right. it's Moots because she is not in it. Who's right. in it? Who's Sharon these? Stone? Sharon Stone. That was my issue. Was like I know she's in yeah. some of these. Was she in L.A. Confidential? He, that was that was William. Yes, Ed yeah, King Basinger is said. in L.A. Confidential. Yeah, that's what I should have said. So does All it go right. on to Zach then with L.A. Confidential? No. Then I have a negative. I have one point. No, or negative one for or doing golf doing style. Here. I don't no, know. We're not points. doing golf style. We're just <laughs> points if you do it. Now, can I suggest another? Uh, addition we, to the three person of this. Yeah, sure. If we constantly go in the same order, let's say, I'm not saying, I'm not pointing fingers, but let's say there's one person that's terrible at this. The person before <laughs> them will always get points. So what if every time uh, someone gets a point, we change directions or sure. the, change the order to the opposite order? Yeah. Just so Are that you saying no that I'm terrible at no, it and I'm Kyle's going to win that. because he's always no. going to go right before me? I'm not saying that. No, I, I, I I'm think if one of us was terrible at it, <laughs> that is what that would mean. Zach is trying to randomize a little bit right. here. Yes. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Okay. I'm a random guy. I'm into randoms. So we're now going to go in the opposite order. I'll do one and then James will go next. Okay. Uh, and my, my movie is going to be um, Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. I know that movie. Okay. I even know the actor that uh is in it. Fantastic. The main guy. You'd be really good at this game then. I really would if I could remember his name. He was a James Bond. Oh, okay. 
Interesting. Um, trivia. This is great. <laughs> are we playing where if the other people are convinced that you know the name of the you know the person but you can't remember their name, then it counts? I think you gotta say the name. Mm, I think we've played before where if I you think convince we, the other person that have, you know what you're talking but I about. Think, I think you gotta say the name. I don't think so. I disagree. Zach, you're the uh, deciding vote. You know, we didn't say before the game that we were playing with the Will Ferrell rule. So yeah. I'm calling the Will Ferrell audible. Yeah, on your turn. Right. <laughs> It'll apply to you guys too if you get into that situation. Let's 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 not do that. Yeah. Because otherwise we're we're all going to be able to like picture the person from the movie. Exactly. And yep. so we'll we'll have these rounds where we're all like, "Oh, you remember that he had the mustache? I mean, he was the main protagonist." We're like, "Yeah, that's him, but, you know, Sure. Yep. Also, this guy is incredibly famous. So, is what? Incredibly, incredibly famous. famous. Oh yeah, yeah. I know he hits women and is proud of it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he was almost in the Matrix, but decided not to. <laughs> I know his, everything about him other than his name. Start start um, with his accent. And you'll get his name. You, or, James, you can he's say the voice else? of Dragonheart. Does that not convince you? I know who this is. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't. But here's Richard the thing, Gere, Sean Connery. Can, all right, move okay. on. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> the well, thing is, you're not limited to him. You could say anyone associated with the movie. So, right, like I know anybody else in Finding Forrester. <laughs> can you Con- name anybody else in Finding Forrester? I could name the director. I was hoping that you would blank on all him because right. you don't like him. I could, I could name the director, but I yeah. didn't. I named the That's actor. True. All right, well, Sean Connery was James Bond, and he was in From Russia with Love. Absolutely, he was. So now Zach um, has to name somebody. In, in that movie. In uh, or creatively related to attached. Ian Fleming. Oh, that's such a cop-out. What is a cop-out? I, I, you, 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 that's not a cop-out. That's intelligently playing the game. I can name an actual actor from that movie. Wow, that's awesome. I know. See, I think, I don't know. I, Bad calculus. Yeah. That got you. Fine. Um, oh, you think it should just be So actors? I can name anything yeah. related Act- to Ian Fleming. I think it should be actors or directors. I mean, I don't Why? know. They, they, they're, like, they're like, oh, well, the associate producer was. Or, if you know it, go for it. If you know it, say it for Wait, sure. Okay, so, okay, so then, then let's, tell me what Ian Fleming did on that movie then. Like you said Ian Fleming, but what, what is yeah. it? It's based on a character he yeah. created. Is, is that his Story credit? By. Is story it story by. by? I would think so. Yeah, oh, I don't know if it's so. a story you by, but so it, he's, he's it probably says based on character. Right, yeah, at minimum From it says Russia that. with love. Let's see what the credit is. <laughs> I think it's he's creatively based on linked. His IP. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's creatively, creatively linked. linked. If you can challenge it, but if he's creatively linked, then you would lose a point. <laughs> All right, keep going. I, I'm curious to see what he, what his credit at is, but we keep we can keep going. Okay. James, what do you got? Ian Fleming. Um, no Time to Die. No Time to Die has Rami Malik. Yeah, Rami Malik. I don't like him as an actor. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Have you ever watched Mr. Robot? Uh, yeah, I was underwhelmed by that. I never watched it. <laughs> I'm just curious. I know a I liked the guy. A lot of people it. watched him in that. 
I'll say Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. So I need to name another person creatively involved with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. <sighs> well, he's like the one actor I can think of that's related to Bohemian Rhapsody. You can always challenge me, James, <laughs> if you think I don't know that movie right. super well. Um, but I feel like I might be able to come come up with somebody creatively linked. Or I okay. might not be able to. So I'm going to okay. challenge. Because I, I don't think I can. And for the sake of time, I'm going to challenge. Mike Myers. Was he in it? I thought yep. about it. And then I was like, yeah. was that a Quentin Tarantino movie he's in? Yeah, Mike I'm Myers. Of, was he also in a Quentin Tarantino movie, Mike Myers? Yeah, he was in uh, 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 Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Um, for the record, who's the director of Bohemian Rhapsody? That's who I was trying to think of. Brian Singer. All the X Men movies. Brian Singer. Yeah. yeah, that was his last movie. Well, yes. After, yeah. Um, for the record, mm-hmm. Ian Fleming is not credited at all in From Russia with Love. You're saying oh. at no point on the screen does it say Ian Fleming. I okay. I am looking at IMDb, and I'm at first. I, I went to the full cast and crew. I searched for Fleming. There's one instance. It says Ian Fleming parentheses novel parentheses uncredited. I mean, he wrote the novel from Russia with love. Yeah, but he's. You guys said, oh, it's he's probably got a story by or based on the characters of. And I'm saying in the credits there is no mention of Ian Fleming. So if you have, if you play this game and you're like, I memorize every credit. Let's, let's accept what Kyle's saying is true. Okay. And also he's wrong. Ian Fleming is creatively linked to no, any I, James I, Bond movie. I completely agree that Ian Fleming <laughs> is, cre- is linked to Bond movies. I'm just saying he is not credited in from, Russia, from Russia with love. I don't think they have to be physically credited in the credits. I think people Man, who write is- books wild west here so so he wrote people no who time. write books are creatively linked to the movies based on those books did he write I no time to say, die I, I, like, hey he's Kyle, not can writing I, all the stories he created i think you character. can say stan lee for any marvel movie you can just say stan lee for any marvel movie you can't do it twice because you can't use a name twice but yeah but like stan lee was at least creatively involved with the marvel movies like ian fleming was not involved like, he's not, not all of them okay i will say hold on in the closing credits, according to this website, one of the things it says is James Bond will return in the next Ian Fleming thriller. Okay. What does that mean? It said that on the screen? D- is, yes. is, is, that a no- the is that a novel? Is that a book? Is that a, a radio show? It just says an Ian Fleming thriller. Yeah. So I'm just saying in the credits. <laughs> His name appears it. on the screen, evidently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, there you go. He's linked. He's linked. I mean, obviously he's linked. I'm just, if we're getting so specific of in the credits there. Okay. So, so here's my question. Is, game. How, <laughs> how am I, how am I scoring these things? So I like, no idea. So I came up with a movie that stumped James. He challenged. Do I That's get a point? I think it should be a negative point. Should be. Wait, wait, I, even if regardless of a galt, it, we just times everything by negative one. I'm just asking, do I get a point and he gets a negative point? No, I, I would say someone won. You won. You get a point. I won the last one. I get a point. Okay. So he doesn't get any negative for challenging. There, there, yeah. No. It, it's okay. like 
So he, if I chat, let's say I challenged uh, Kyle and I won, I would get the point. You get the point. You get the point. Gotcha. Yes, correct. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So Kyle, you go and then it's James's turn. Okay. Um, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Um, sure. There's lots of people in that movie. Um, can you think what? of someone that's not credited but is involved? <laughs> Does Michael Crichton come an on the screen? Pro- an associate producer, <laughs> a key grip. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, we'll say Michael Crichton. Oh, okay. Uh, Michael Crichton. <laughs> um, great. Uh. Okay, Michael Crichton. I mean, I, it's just where do I want to go with this? Uh, the Thirteenth Warrior. The Thirteenth Warrior. Uh, that has Antonio Banderas. Yes, it does. Well done. Um. Okay. Um. Is that really a Michael Crichton story? Yeah. Okay, I believe you. I just I did not know. I did not yeah. know. Okay. And now I'll say, once upon a time in Mexico. That's rough, man. That's rough. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico um, directed by someone very famous. <laughs> oh. Very famous. And it's not Sean Connery. Of his or it's her not name. That's, that's the thing. Can I think of their name in a time that I'm comfortable with uh, stalling? Um, and so uh, it's something like jimmy jackson it's something like that it's like it's like uh you think it's an alliterative name uh no but it's like a hard consonants it could be alliterative it's like gary garcia something like that mm-hmm. um, that's, that's jerry garcia you're thinking of <laughs> i'm thinking of jerry garcia yeah, gary. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's the guy from the dead like gary garcia or something yeah yeah um he's one of the three mexican directors the uh there's only three of them ever <laughs> in hollywood history the three when, they were known as like the three amigos like the three ten nothing they're called the three amigos <laughs> they Zach, are he, called the three amigos really? okay. he's not yeah. he's not I think Zach almost canceled himself right there no, oh, no, 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 they okay. are called that i mean right. i don't i i think they called themselves that okay lucky. that's fine that's fine lucky for zach yeah lucky for zach indeed oh i didn't pull it out of nowhere <laughs> he wrote a he wrote a book yeah we we need his name yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm stalling to think of if it. If only there was a certain audible you could have called earlier that would make this easier. Well, we but can no. always call it now, Jay. I, I, we I don't think, have to. No, um, <laughs> I think the Will Ferrell rule makes this game unfun because we all we know that Zach. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. you gotta yeah, say the, the name, the, or I could say someone else if I really couldn't think of him. You know what I mean? Like right. it's up to me. Um, uh, I'll give myself a self-imposed twenty more seconds as long as no one cat says a number. Okay. Um. His name is uh, it's like Janet Jackson, something like that. <laughs> Ten more seconds. <laughs> well, you said a number, so I'm I'm taking away this self-imposed twenty seconds. <laughs> Fine, I, I'm gonna keep imposing it though myself though. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I can't think of anyone. Okay, you give up? Yeah. Well, the name you're thinking of is Robert Rodriguez. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alliterative. But the name I would have used 
as somebody in that movie is Johnny Depp. <laughs> is he in that? Oh, he's in that? He's absolutely in that. <laughs> okay. Robert Rodriguez. Yes. Is Penelope Cruz in that? Uh, don't remember. Okay. If it's, it's either her or um, Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek. Okay. Yeah. I, I just don't, don't know how my brain stores information where like I knew it was like Janet Jackson where that name is nothing like Robert Rodriguez, but absolutely is right. like Robert Rodriguez. Sure. I, I get a problem with this game sometimes where I can think of like the character name. So like I said, Jurassic Park to you guys. So I was like, yeah, Alan Grant. I'm like, crap, that's not his <laughs> name. And then like, all I could think of was like Grant. I could not get Sam Neill in my head at all. So. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So now um, Kyle goes and it goes to me. Sure. Um, let's go Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt? Sure. Um, Bullet Train. Oh. Ooh, okay. There's a lot of people in Bullet Train. Michael Shannon. Michael okay. Shannon? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Yeah, Man of Steel. Sure. I know the movie. Um, I'm going to say Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. You're going to say Christopher Nolan? Yeah. Do you want to challenge that, Kyle? I'm going to challenge Christopher Nolan. How's he connected, James? He's a producer. (laughs) Do you know this? I don't like that. This is amazing. I don't like that. I mean, okay. Christopher Nolan, producer of Man of Steel. Why do you think he's a producer? Uh, Because he is. Because it's DC. Is that why? (sighs) Yeah, he served as producer on the movie. And had full faith in Snyder's vision at the time. Uh, so James gets the point. <laughs> How dare you challenge that, Kyle? <laughs> he knew that. It wasn't just the random I guy. Knew he it. knew it. I he knew it. <laughs> he knew it's, just it. Some, it's just some BS. That's Christopher all. Nolan doesn't... like Bring up Christopher Nolan's producing credits. He doesn't produce much, but he produced that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's right there. In black and white. Okay, my James. Turn? Yeah. No, no. Um, my turn and then Kyle's next. Yep. Okay. All right, Kyle. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh Sleuth. Sleuth. Ooh, okay. Um, oh, I, I wanna say the one name, but I don't know if I can think of another movie off the top of my head. <laughs> So, oh, okay, yeah. Let's go Lawrence Olivier. Is that right? I, I've never seen Sleuth, so I couldn't tell you if that's right. Is that Zach, right, Zach? I don't right. remember, but I think it, that's right. It's it's right, yes. Okay. okay. Um, Lawrence, I don't even, I've heard the name. I don't think I've seen an, a Lawrence Olivier movie. Maybe I have, and I just don't know. Uh, Zach, you know what movies I've seen. Have I seen a Lawrence Olivier movie? No. Right. So, um, I'm just gonna 
guess. Can I get a hint? It has when was Sleuth released? 70s? 70s? Okay. 72. All right. I feel like Lawrence Olivier, for obvious reasons, was in the film Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was, wasn't he? Was he? I, I, I mean, Zach, it's up to you to challenge. Yeah, who, who looks it up? If I mean, oh, it, I'll it, say challenge. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up then. I'll look it up. Yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. That's amazing if it is, because the only reason I said that is because of the name. Because of the Similar. same name. He's not popping up in the top cast, but let's let's jump a little bit farther. I think you're thinking of maybe Alec Guinness. I haven't seen a Lawrence of Olivier movie or a Lawrence of Arabia movie. Let's so. see. Peter O'Toole, Alec Guinness, Anthony Quinn, uh, Jack Hawkins, Omar Sharif, Jose Ferreira, Anthony guy. Quayle. Cla- oh, you're thinking of Claude Rains, maybe. No. No, no. Okay. He, they both have the name I'm, Lawrence. That's the problem. I'm not yeah. thinking of anything. Yeah. So well, stab in the dark. No, you. It is he. You are incorrect. Lawrence Olivier is known for his Shakespeare's. He's known yeah. for what? Shakespeare. He's also known for Rebecca, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh. Yeah, and Wuthering Heights. Yep. Haven't seen any of the what you're right. talking about. Yes. Yeah. Was he in Notorious? I don't know. I don't Notorious? know. Notorious. Notorious. Old, old Torious. Notorious. <laughs> All right. Um. Now it goes. Do I, I go to Zach? Yeah. You okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go rear window. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Who? James Stewart. Um, sure. You guys are picking these really old things that you know <laughs> I don't know. Feel free um, to pick found footage horror. I mean, those don't have named actors in them, so I couldn't even defend them. Um, let's see. A Jimmy Stewart movie. Yeah. How about Harvey? Mm-hmm. He's going to challenge and I'm not going to be able to say He's it. definitely in Harvey, and I would love you to name anything else about Harvey for me. There's nothing I can name. Okay. Nor can Kyle name anything. <laughs> no, there's nothing I can name from Harvey. Because but... that's how it's going to be with probably every Jimmy Stewart movie. <laughs> no, no. He's in movies with John Wayne. and Name one. Uh, a la Josie Whale. No, not a la, no, not a la Josie Whale. Um, it starts with a V. Like that. It's um. Yeah, you guys would re- be real good at defending. Oh, well, no, 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 no. We'll get there. <laughs> Liberty Balance. Yeah. Who, sh- yeah. Who shot Liberty Balance? Yeah. I tell you, I got the V. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. was in um, Mr. Smith was Washington. Yeah. With, who? with Frank Capra. Frank Capra. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he was in uh, It's a Wonderful Life with Frank Capra. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys know Lee. a lot about Jimmy Stewart. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kyle, you get that point? I get that point. Yep. The only um, reason I knew anything about him is because I just watched Harvey. <laughs> nice. I I was afraid you were gonna say Harvey and that you like you would remember like who directed it or something from it. So, is there a famous director attached to it? I don't know who directed Harvey. I don't think so. All right, James. Uh, John Wayne. This this goes to me now, doesn't it? 
No, it goes to the person that lost the point, doesn't it? I thought we changed directions every time. Right? Well, oh, okay, yeah. Then it goes to you, John Wayne. John Wayne. Harvey was directed by Henry Coaster. Henry Coaster. <laughs> okay. Do you guys recognize that name? No. Okay. Um. Oh, I confuse these two. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Stagecoach. <laughs> I should give you easy ones so that you can't set him up with hard ones. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to go with a Western director because okay. And that's a total stab in the dark as to whether they actually directed this. But John Ford, maybe. Oh, I think you're right. Because yeah. that's what he's I was right. going to say. Yeah, John Ford. Yeah, he's right. He's right. Um, that was a stab in the dark. What? Sure. Which one did you pick? Did you say which movie did you? I said out? Stagecoach. Okay, The Searchers. The Searchers. Okay. Um, Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. Yeah. Um. I don't know what else Natalie Wood is in. You guys with your old movies. Um <laughs> update it a little bit, James. Bring it bring it forward. Name a Natalie Wood from the 2000s. Well, she died in like the 80s when she drowned, so. <laughs> or even Was she the, the one 70s. that her scarf got caught in the wheel of her Corvette? Like, no, uh, no, she was on the boat with um Christopher Walken, I think, and oh, and died mysteriously. Yeah, um, who was not? It, it wasn't Kirk Douglas. It, it, she was like another famous actor, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> I don't remember. No, I don't. I don't think Burt who Reynolds. died with a handkerchief, like while they're driving. Was that great? Was that the Grace Kelly, the Princess of Monaco? No, that's how Grace Kelly died. I don't know. I have no. Or maybe she's died of old age. <laughs> I don't think they let the princess drive. Uh, who and it was on the it was on a highway in California. So no. Okay. Okay. Um, was anyway. Natalie Wood in a Hitchcock movie? Uh, great question. That is a good question, James. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just guess a Hitchcock movie. Um, I can't even picture what Natalie Wood looks like. Have I okay. seen a Natalie Wood movie? I'm yeah. pretty sure you have, yes. Okay. Have you seen The Searchers? Yes. I think you've seen another. Does she play Natalie the Indian? The f- no, she the played the girl that gets girl kidnapped. Indian? Right. That like they consider an, an Indian at some point. Yes. Yeah. Um hmm. I... Robert Wagner. She was on the boat with Robert Wagner. That's the guy. Okay. And Super Christopher famous. Walken. What year was the searchers? Is that fifties? Fifty seven, maybe. Okay. I'm just gonna I don't know. I have no clue. West side story. I don't know. Yes. She was in West Side Story? That's, that's the big one. She's Maria. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well done. Now well all you gotta do is done. name something else about West Side Story and we're good to go. Oh, great. <laughs> um, well, no, so Zach's next, though. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't have to do it. <laughs> I don't know anything about West Side Story. Um, I don't know who directed it. You know, the, the lyricist? 
or the I don't I don't either, Zach. So uh, if you just challenge, you can get the point. (laughs) Can I steal from both of you? (laughs) No. Okay. Um, You might I could challenge you. That would be the easy way out. I think I'm gonna say I'm just gonna make a guess because why not? Mm -hmm. Burns Leonard Bernstein. Bernstein. Yes, Leonard Bernstein is correct. Okay. He's like wrote the music or something. Yes, he wrote the music. Yep. Okay. Leonard Bernstein. Is Is it Bernstein or Berenstein? (laughs) (laughs) Bernstein. Oh man, Leonard Bernstein. Berenstein. (laughs) Like I don't I can't think of any movies he's involved with so i'm gonna say 2023's maestro wow bold james you should challenge that to have him think of yeah why would he be involved in that i don't think that was the that's the guy in that movie right that they're depicting zach go ahead and look up maestro i think you should challenge like who else is involved in that movie oh he can easily come up with somebody Who's involved in that movie? So I'd almost rather just name that person and guarantee that I move on because I I think he could definitely name somebody involved in. Oh wait, what if I challenged him? He'd have to name somebody in Maestro, right? Yes, right. Yeah, I think you could do what, that. What what year is Maestro? <laughs> this year. It's not even released yet which I'm not sure. I think maybe there's a rule against that, but it's fine. We'll keep going. Um, I'm going to say Bradley Cooper because Kyle would have been able to say that anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I could have gotten that one. Brad Coop. Braddy Coop. Anything related to Bradley Cooper. Man, I thought thought we had you with Natalie Wood. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. Really shocked by his ability to pull that off. And also Rita Moreno, guys, from she's in both West Side stories. If you say so. Oh my god. <laughs> trying to think of a hard one for Kyle. <laughs> These haven't been hard. <laughs> uh limitless. Limitless. I've never you seen You can back up Limitless? I've never oh, yeah. seen Limitless. Wow. Remember the guy that gives him the pills? You know who that is? Yeah, yeah. Um I don't. I'm gonna say Robert De Niro. Is, is that, that correct? correct? That's who I was thinking of. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now it's my turn to say Robert De Niro related things. Yep. Okay. Um, luckily I've seen a bunch of Robert De Niro movies recently. So I'm going to say taxi driver. Uh, Sybil Shepard. Oh, what's that? Um, oh, what's that movie? The last picture show. Yeah. Last picture show. Yep. Okay. So now I have to come up with something related to the last picture show. Yes. Yep. Or challenge Kyle. Robert Altman? Is I, that an Altman? It is not an Altman. Mm. It's um, is he a producer. <laughs> it, it's it's uh well I mean okay so is that, I I can back it up. Okay. So it's Jeff Bridges is also in Last Picture Show. 
Okay. But the guy who directed Last Picture Show is the guy who directed Paper Moon, Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Kyle gets the point. Okay. Fair All right, enough. Let's do one more. I could have gotten that. Let's I do didn't. one more of these. Okay. Okay. One more. Me to, me to James. It's my turn. No, 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 I'll ask you one. Zach to James. Okay. Um, and my movie will be uh Are you ready for this, James? <laughs> yeah, this is probably the easiest one you'll say, so just give it to me. Sing Street. <sighs> sure. I have the I have the one I could go with that Kyle probably has an answer for, and I have another one that I'd have to think of my answer if he can't. Yeah, right. That's the that's the strategy is that you can give us something obscure, but you got to make sure you can back it up. Right. Not sure I can back up the more obscure one. So I'm gonna go Jack Rayner. And I'm going to go, um, let's go Flora and Son. <laughs> Flora and Son? Yeah. Uh, Joe Carney. How is he related? Directed. He's directed. Gotcha. Um, sure. Wrote. Uh, and I'll say Away We Go. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say once and then I was done. But you I, could, I, could do I couldn't back up once. Yeah. Um, I think Away We Go is a movie I gave the 45 minute rule to. <laughs> but I'm pretty also sh- <laughs> uh, Scott, special guest Scotty's favorite movie of all time. Yeah. That well, Kyle 45 minutes. <laughs> Scotty, get better taste. Wait. Away We Go yeah. is not a Carney movie. It's not? It's not? Oh, thank goodness. I, Are I, you I, sure? I, I think Zach would know. Uh, yes. You're thinking of the other one. It has a similar name. Well. I can look it up, right? James is out anyway. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Away We Go is the one with- Wait, like, why am I out? Jim from The Office. Yeah, yeah. I can, it, I can back up. Oh, okay, his, so we're just- is The Mark Ruffalo one. Okay, so Zach said John Carney, who's the director. Mm-hmm. You said Away We Go. John Carney did not direct Away We Go. Yeah. You're thinking of Begin Again. I am? I don't know, but Begin <laughs> Again is his other movie besides Once. No, I, 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 think, I think James is thinking of Away We Go. He just thought that John Carney directed it. Gotcha. Who Away We Go Away was we Maya go. Rudolph and John, John Krasinski, Krasinski, and yeah. it's directed by Sam Mendes. Oh, uh, I am getting... Sam Mendes confused with John Carney. I knew that Krasinski and Maya Rudolph were in that movie. I can't say what it's about. I think there's some annoying singing for a while, and then I turned it off. Sure. It's still Scotty's favorite movie. All right. Yeah. Uh, 45 minute rule. Kyle and I are tied. High five to that, Zach. At what? James at three. <laughs> James has two. But we have oh, three. nice. Oh, I only lost close. by one. Yeah. Very low scoring. I still think we should Will Ferrell this game. It's more fun but that do, way. Wouldn't we just have like endless strings where it's like, you know, the guy with the mustache, like, okay, yeah, we know. No, you have to convince yeah. the other two people that you categorically know exactly who you're well, talking sure, about. Well, sure, but I think we could do that. And then 
convince him we know the movie and then convince him we know that. I think we would never say an actor's name again. No, there would have been clear. We, there would have been clear movies that I couldn't have even described somebody from the movie from. Like backing up Harvey, I couldn't even describe to you another person from that movie or anything that they've been in. I could not convince you uh, that I know anybody else from the movie. Harvey I think you could have said the, ra- the the rabbit. Who plays the, the rabbit? Just say a rabbit. The puka. And then he's in Donnie Darko. Well, yeah, if he said a rabbit, I mean, but then then we're just we now his name animals. Not like a real the searchers, uh, a horse. But you don't need to know the name by the Will Ferrell rule. You can just commit some. Like, no, no. You remember the six foot tall rabbit? I'm definitely thinking of that rabbit. I don't know his name, but you know the rabbit in the movie. Yeah, like, but you know. Th- and then I would say, great. What other movie has that rabbit been in? Right. You would challenge it, and I yeah. would say Donnie Darko. No, but that's a different rabbit because same you, rabbit. It's not different the same rabbit. rabbit. In Donnie Darko, it's called a puka. But James didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I knew that. Okay. Well, you like Donnie Darko more than I do, clearly. (laughs) Mm, I do not like Donnie Darko. (laughs) You do. You know more about it than I do. So clearly you like it more. (laughs) Uh, Zach, in either 1927 or 1929, there was a dancer named Isadora Duncan who died of strangulation and cardioid. My goodness. That's not right. Cardioid artery insult when her scarf caught in the wheels of a motor vehicle in which she was traveling. Wow. Okay. So she was not as famous as I thought this person was. No. Okay. All right. That was chain reaction. Ended in a tie as all good games (laughs) do. It's like European soccer. The soccer of movie games. Evidently. Um, Kyle and I went and made the same joke. Let's see. Next week, we've got The Killer, directed by David Fincher. So if you are a Fincher uh, head and you need to um, watch a movie, then make it The Killer, directed by David Fincher on Netflix. Next week, we're going to discuss it. Also, before we go, check us out on YouTube. Support us on Patreon. Leave us an Apple podcast review or send us an email to heyguys at cinerealist.com. We'd appreciate any of those kinds of things. You could also follow us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Or you could follow me on my personal Twitter or Letterboxd account at YoJRB. You can follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Shobin. You can find me on Letterboxd at Peter SKB. We'll see you guys yep. next time. Until then, keep it Cinereal.